Welcome. This is the Rip Griffin Show podcast, a baseball podcast for baseball fans of all ages. Now, here's your host, Rip Griffin. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Rip Griffin Show. This is episode number 57. So with me, as always, I've got my co-host, Brad Chandler. Brad, what's going on, man? You know, living the dream with about 13 inches of snow up here. Well, that's uh, about 13 inches more than what I got. Yeah, you know, sitting there with your freaking palm trees behind you and everything. I know. I got to add some tropical to your life since you are up there in the <laughs> with the little, with the little you know, snowstorm going on right now. Yeah, well, it's over now. <laughs> well, that's good. So we'll go ahead and dive into this week's episode. Uh, we've got a lot of things that have gone on this week in the news, and primarily one that has been long overdue, and that is Major League Baseball adding the Negro Leagues to the official Major League Baseball stats. You know, it's been something that's been long overdue. Um, I'm glad that this is happening. Um, you get players like Jobs, uh, Josh Gibson, someone who I didn't actually even really And you got like uh, Cole Papa Bell and players of those of that caliber. And I really think that it's been long overdue. I'm happy for these people and their families. Um, what, what's going to happen with the records? Is, it's just a little odd. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Major League Baseball actually goes and starts to incorporate those records into the history books of those of the Major League players of that time and that era. Um, you know, you've got guys like you mentioned, Josh Gibson. You know, the guy hit, what, 800 home runs probably? Well, those 800 home runs, uh, out, of, out of those 800 home runs, I believe they're only counting like 400 of them or something like that because most of them were done in exhibition games right and also too it's good to make note that the stats that major league baseball is going to incorporate into this is going to be from 1920 to 1947 so there's a stretch there because a lot of the players during that time were uh, major league caliber players but they weren't on major league teams so in that area, Major League Baseball is going to acknowledge that because um, it's just kind of that time frame where a lot of players, you know, like Roberto Clemente, or not, excuse me, not uh, Satchel Page, um, you know, like you mentioned, <coughs> Gibson, you know, Oscar Charles, Cool Papa Bell, uh, who stole bases like nothing else. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see our player of the week actually played in the Negro Leagues in 1948. And so some of his stats and his career numbers are actually going to be incorporated as well since he was on the Birmingham Barons in 1948. Yeah, the only question that I have with that is that the home runs that he ended up hitting uh, in 1948, I didn't get get a chance to look at the stats for that, but will that now push him over uh, Barry Bonds? It's possible. I didn't get a chance to look at the numbers either, and I probably should have done that since we're going to be covering him in just a little bit. But uh, I would think that it would. I, well, I don't know how they would do that, though, considering that, you know, Bonds sur- surpassed Aaron 
and surpassed Ruth. I don't know. I, I think they may just kind of incorporate his career like batting average numbers. I don't know if they're actually going to include the home runs into that. We'll have to we'll have to see what happens. So I I I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to uh, figure this all out. It, it's it's on them, really. You know, it's not for us to actually decide. <laughs> we could sit here and pick apart everything and whatnot. Uh, there's there's other things that are going on um, right now that like I feel um, are that play into the fact that they're putting the Negro League into the history book right now. Uh, at this point in time, um, I feel that it's more of not saying that it takes away from any of the Negro League players, but I believe that Rob Manfred putting them in at this point in time has something to do with the um, with what's going on at the end of the year, right? the agreement. So I really hope that that's not the case, but it just seems a little fishy because it is Rob Manfred, and he's kind of – you got to think that, that way. Yeah, it's unfortunate <clears throat> to think that way, but given everything that has happened this year within baseball and the way baseball conducted itself prior to the season starting, it sounds like maybe trying to you know, put the band-aid on to, to stop the bleeding. I, I, there's no way, but like you said, the timing does kind of make you want to scratch your head and wonder. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't know. That was one of the first things that went through my head. And it's unfortunate that something like that has to go through like a person's head like that. And, you know, I, I, I was totally on board. Um, once the, uh, I, I believe it was CC Sabathia that was bringing the attention, uh, to the Negro league earlier this year. And I 100% was backing it. I was, you know, it's, I ended up watching a bunch of Negro League like movies, um, you know, biographies and things like that. Over the, they had um, between like the spring training, COVID nineteen shutdown, into the summer training. So I, I definitely believe that it's long overdue. Um, I'm glad it's happening. I just hope that uh, this isn't Manfred trying to save face. I, I hope not either. But as more information comes about with how they're going to do the stats and everything, we can definitely keep all the listeners abreast of what's going on. Um, as these players, almost 3,400 players, will now have their records included within Major League Baseball, which is phenomenal. So we'll find out more on that. Not to take anything away from that news, because that is great news within Major League Baseball. But there was some other news that has dropped this week. One that has kind of been in the books or on the books, I should say, since July. They've been on the been in the works to have their name changed. And, and that <clears throat> is uh, the Cleveland called them baseball team now. We'll actually, no. No, we'll still call them the Indians because they're still calling themselves the Indians for the 2021 season. So they will not be using the Chief Wahoo uh uh, they will not be using the Chief Wahoo logo, right. from my understanding. 
And I believe right now the names that they're trying to decipher on um, are the Cleveland Blue Sox, the Cleveland Hard Rocks, the due to the fact that the Hard Rock Cafe and the fact that you have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I believe the other one was the Spiders, the Cleveland Spiders, which was a National League and American Association uh, team back in the 1880s, I want to say. It was around around that time. And then, of course, they became the Indians. So let me ask you this. If you had to choose a name right now, which one would you choose? I would definitely have to go with the Spiders. The reason why I'd have to go with the spiders is like I told I, I understand with I definitely don't think that they should be the blue Sox. There's too many you got the white Sox, you got the red Sox, you don't need the blue Sox. So and then you got the Reds. They were the original, I believe they were the original like red stockings or something like that. Right. But um you don't need another Sox. And they're not known for like blue Sox or whatever. They have the hard rock cafe. They have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they're and the Spiders was a name of a team that were that was around in the 1800s. So I like the logo that they had for the Spiders. Yep. So that's my opinion. Okay, I'm actually. What about yourself? I'm actually opposite. I like the Blue Sox. I do. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, we've got the Red Sox, we got the White Sox, and then you go with the Blue Sox, then. You kind of have like a, a patriotic team throughout your know, major league baseball in red, white, and blue. You know. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I did think of it that way, but I mean, you also got the Nationals, which is like the the patriotic team because they they're the red, white, and blue team. So, um, yeah, it kind of gives you a different aspect as you. Know, but you're never going to get the red, white, and blue teams together. They're not going to be facing each other at the same time. So. Uh, yeah, it's true. No, actually, no, <laughs> no not yet. Not, I mean, yeah, but they all are, are in the same league, but yeah, they won't be, you know, consecutive. <laughs> all right, let's move on. So, <laughs> Speaking of the White Sox, we so uh, we segue a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll just try to switch up over here. So, uh, ex White Sox catcher James McCann has officially signed with the New York Mets, which now ends up uh, taking any thought that the Mets would be going after JT Rio Muto. Um, he signed for four years at $40.6 million, and he ha- has a $600,000 bonus. Uh, me. I'm going to just talk about this real quick. I think this was a great signing. Um, It seems as though the pitchers are looking at it as it was a great signing. Uh, I know that Marcus Stroman had made a post on his Twitter feed saying that he is excited to be pitching to uh, James McCann. And I think that this actually ends up working better for the New York Mets than signing JT Rio Muto because now they can go after you know, uh, a Springer or a Trevor Bauer, and that's more money. You're not spending all that money on JT Riamuto, and you, you get you get almost as good as a defensive player and an offensive player. So, right, and the catcher position is something that the Mets really need to focus on. I mean, you've got a couple guys uh, that have been in the legal. For a while, but they really don't have all that good experience like McCann does. 
So I think it's going to be great, especially when you work with the you know, pitchers like you know uh, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob Degrom. Uh, you've got Trevor May that they just signed that kind of helps solidify that bullpen. Uh, you've got Marcus Stroman as well, like you mentioned. So a good rotation, good bullpen. You've got a good catcher that can go every third, fourth day, fifth day if you need him to. So I think it's a great signing for the Mets. It is. Now, the only problem that I see with that is that, you know, I know that we had talked about this, that the MLB um, is talking about pushing the season start date to May. And, like, it it leaves a bad taste for the – I don't know if it's more so the fans because, like, they can't see these guys that they just signed. And with the Mets and everything, everything that's going on with the Mets – Steve Cohen just bought the team. He's going to be putting money into the team. He just did a, a meet and greet basically for the season ticket holders at City Field. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on the uh, the, the MLB talking about postponing until May? You know, here, here's my thing. If – I've kind of, and we kind of were going back on back and forth on with some some listeners on on our Twitter page that if Major League Baseball does not get at least a hundred games in next season, I honestly think that Major League Baseball will not survive. I I agree to to a certain uh, extent. What I think is going to end up happening is uh, there's definitely going to be a strike next year, and it's going to. There's almost a guarantee that there's going to be a strike after the bargaining agreement. And this is going to be the true test. And this goes back to Manfred. My point with Manfred. With the bargaining agreement, they're not going to agree. There's going to be a strike at the end of the year if they do not get at least 120 games this year. And if the players are saying that they're going to be ready and willing to play – which obviously they're not going to say that they're not willing to play, but if they're saying that they're willing to play, then, and the owners aren't willing to uh, open up the stadiums, there's going to be a problem at the end of the year. Oh, 100%. Because these guys, they want to make their money and they, they took a pay cut last year because, you know, they were asked to, so they can play. But if for some reason that, you know the, the owners can't you know get the gates open or the, the states or whatever, and I, I really see baseball heading down into a downward spiral to where they won't recover, and we might ha- not have baseball anymore. As much as it pains me to say, I Major League Baseball needs to get it needs to get it right. Manfred needs to get it right. He's got time right now before spring training starts because you got three months. Yeah. There's no reason why you can't. Last year, uh, the reason why it was such a, uh, you know, uh, I don't really know any other way to say it, but how why it was such a shit show was because they literally only had two weeks. Right. <clears throat> so. Yeah, and as much time as they have, because the players, they, they can't amp up in spring training. They can't quit with a break. Then amp up again for the, when the season starts in two weeks. You're going to have injuries, and we saw a lot of pitchers this year that blew their their arms out are having to have Tommy John surgery because of this specific issue. 
And that can't happen, especially with these guys when they go out and give 100% every time they go out there. Right. So um, just kind of like a segue and trying, you know, that whole situation sucks. And there's no other way to, like, talk about it without it being, like, upsetting. And we could go on for hours over the the pushing of the date and whatnot, but there's some other things that we have to talk about. There were, th- there were some signings outside of James McCann. Um, right. So, so real quick, <clears throat> the uh, Texas Rangers went out and signed outfitter David Dahl. Um, he is expected to be the Rangers everyday left fielder. Uh, that contract is for one year, 2.7 million. And he just, it just became official. So if he's healthy, he'll come out in spring training and be the everyday left fielder. And uh, this kind of f- helps fill the void and out in the outfield for the Rangers, uh, especially when you have Joey Gallo out there as well. So a good compliment in the outfield for the Rangers. Um, David Dahl was one of those guys that was kind of projected to go to a couple of teams. Uh, the Rangers kind of just came out of the woodworks and uh, were able to lock him up for relatively cheap. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised. Um I do I do a little YouTube thing um, with a buddy of mine, Charlie, and he was a little upset with the fact that the Red Sox weren't able to pick him up for like say four million. He he was an out a great outfielder for the Rockies, and throw him four million would have still been a steal. Oh, so <clears throat> the Astros could have done the same thing. They could have had him for for cheap three million, four million. Exactly. So, but instead of going out and get getting uh david Dahl, the boston red sox went out and got uh hunter renfro who played for the tampa bay rays last year and he's most notably known for playing for the san diego padres and the contract for renfro was 3.1 million dollars for one year and from my understanding and the way things are looking i'm I'm only going by a guess or an estimate or whatever. It seems like he's going to be platooning left field with Andrew Benintendi. And it seems as though that they're not done looking for an outfielder. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting. I know we were kind of talking about this as well on the Facebook page or excuse me, Twitter page. Uh, so let me ask you, do you think with his bat and everything, Will it will he fit well there at Fenway? Now the thing is, is like the only thing that really worries me about Renfro is, is like everybody gave Jackie Bradley Jr. a bunch of crap because of the fact that he struck out a lot. I believe in 2019 he struck out 155 times. Renfro struck out 152 times. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s on base percentage was over 300. Renfro's was not over 300. It was below. Right. So there's some, there's some things to be worried about or concerned about, but when, if he can square up a ball that, that green monster is definitely going to play for him. He's going to hit about 30 home runs. A lot of what I've heard too, is that he, he played at Petco in San Diego and that's a hitter's ballpark. And that's where a lot of his success came from. So it'd be interesting to see how he fares at Fenway when the season starts, because I think it's a good fit. It, it, like you mentioned though, he'll put pl- pl- platoon, but 
I think he'll still be a great addition to that lineup. And it's <laughs> that's um, me though. That's me. Yeah, I uh, I definitely think that <laughs> work out for the uh, for the Red Sox. Um, that was my that was my bad. If you just saw what just happened, no, but um, I was I was say I'm trying to help your team out, I'm trying to give your team some props, man. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about the whole Hunter Renfro thing. I just know that the on base percentage kind of um, draws a red flag for me. Well, you know, I I can you know sympathize with what you're you're getting at since you are familiar with the Red Sox and kind of how their team needs to to kind of stock. But let's kind of jump into our last signing before we jump into our team of the week. So the Giants actually went out and picked up reliever Anthony Dillascafani. I think I pronounced that right. If I didn't, I'm I'm sorry. But uh, they added some depth into their rotation by assigning him to a one-year, $6 million deal. Uh, He did have a rough 2020 season where he had a 7.22 ERA. That was over nine appearances. He had seven starts for the Reds. But uh, in 2019, he had a 3.89 ERA over 31 starts. So, uh, you know, a career 4.29 ERA over six major league seasons. But uh, you kind of add him to the rotation, you know, where you have have Drew Smiley, Tyler Anderson, Jeff Samardula. Could be a good fit. This signing also has a $250 performance bonuses. Uh, six hundred sixty-two thousand five hundred sixty. Yeah, sixty-two thousand five hundred. Can't even read. Uh, over one hundred forty innings, one hundred sixty innings, one hundred eighty innings, and two hundred innings. So he's got some performance incentives as well. I'm gonna see Anthony guy. Um, I know that the signing just happened, and we should have looked. I should have looked it up a little bit. Um, but honestly, <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I know he played for the Reds. And I don't know if he's – is he a reliever or – He kind of can do both. He can come out of the bullpen if needed, and also he can make some good spot starts as well. Um, I remember having him on a couple of my fantasy baseball league teams in the past. He's he's kind of a middle-to-back-end rotation type pitcher. Okay. So he's probably one of those opener kind of guys. He can fit that role too. All right, um, I'm uh, I'm gonna segue into our next segment here. Um, so we, you know, every week we do a team of the week, and this week we just so happen to be doing the San Francisco Giants, who used to be known as the New York Giants, which is why I'm wearing this hat. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about them, and then we're gonna talk about our player of the week, which is Willie Mays, who's who I'm wearing his jersey today. And we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Barry Bonds. We're going to talk about Willie McCovey. And then we're going to end it with Madison Bumgarner. So um, I'll let you go ahead and start us off with with the information on the San Francisco Giants. Right. So the Giants were founded in 1983. They have been – have had three names. One of them was the New York Gothams. What year were they founded in? 1883. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said 1983 for some reason. I was like, wait a minute. What? Because I have this over here. 
1983. See, see, I think you, I think you did say 1983. All right. Well, see, that's why, you know, I hate you're here to correct me. I do something wrong. So 1883, if I mispronounced it, but uh, they were the New York Gotham's from 1883 to 1884. And then the New York Giants from 19, I almost did it again, 1885 to 1957. And then the present day Saint, uh, San Francisco Giants, 1958 to the present. So I actually have a little bit of like fun fact for you. Ooh, Seeming okay. as though that we did, um, we did the, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers who were formerly known as the Brooklyn Dodgers. And today we're doing the San Francisco giants who were formerly known as the New York giants. You know how the, you know, the uh, orange and blue and the white for the New York Mets, you know how they came up with those colors, right? How did they? They took the colors for the Dodgers. They took the colors for the uh, for the Giants. Because they they left. So they took the Dodger blue. They took the Giants orange. And that's how they came up with the pinstripes or their color scheme. Interesting. It's almost like you guys left. I'm going to steal your colors and I'm going to take your town. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that once uh, once we get into the New York um, part of our um, team of the weeks and stuff. But I thought that that was a fun fact. I ended up finding that out a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Wow, that makes sense." That it really does. I mean, if you, now if you're listening <laughs> or are watching the show, you can actually, you know, you're gonna go look. You'll see Dodger blue and San Francisco giant orange. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, they ha- they ended up having 26 playoff appearance, 23 pennants, and eight World Series championships. Um, I know that I've seen three of their championships. Uh, <laughs> and I'll let you go ahead and talk about their top players. So the top players, uh, number one is, our, is Willie Mays, who is actually our player of the week. Uh, Barry Bonds, who is another one that was on our poll this week. Mel Ott. Juan Markle which is we got a couple comments on him on our Twitter page. Willie McCovey, who was another one that was on our poll. Bobby Bonds, Will Clark, Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner, and Gaylord Perry, just to name a few. I honestly... <laughs> uh, Gaylord Perry, I don't know much about him. Um, I do know, you know, obviously you got your Willie Mays, your Barry Bonds, I know a little bit about Willie McCovey. Um, the only thing I really know about Bobby Bonds is Bonds, um, Madison Bumgarner. I know him. Um, my my history is pretty lackluster on this. So you know, we'll talk about Kilo Perry, just kind of since he was on their team. Uh, so he was elected into the Hall of Fame in 1991. Okay. Um, he was a two two time Cy Young winner. Uh, so a pitcher, obviously. Yes, uh, a five time All Star. Uh, he played played for several different teams. Actually, he played obviously for the Giants, for the Indians, 
He played for the Texas Rangers, San Diego Padres, Yankees, Braves, Mariners, and Royals. Do you know how long he pitched? Um, he pitched from 1962 until 1983. He finished when he was age 44. It seems like a lot of the pitchers back in the back in the day, um, you, you have obviously Gaylord Perry, but like you had Nolan Ryan who ended up also pitching until he was well well past his prime. And it seems as though honestly that his prime was actually when he got older. Yeah, it, it really did. You know, he did have a career. Uh, average his career ERA was, I think, a 3.11. Yep, 3.11 from what I'm looking at. And his strikeouts, he had 3,534. Um, he ended up pitching a no hitter on September 17th, 1968. Yeah, he. His win-loss records were 314 and 265. So, so you know, that's why I like doing this team of the week stuff because there's stuff you learn, you know, as you go through. And we we learn this and we like to uh, teach as well. Yeah, it's always good to, to kind of educate yourselves on the teams that we're learning because it's interesting to find out. It's good to learn about these teams. Um, you know, and then you've got guys like, you know, Barry and Bobby Bonds, you know, father son duo that played for the same team. Uh, Will Clark was a great first baseman for the, for the giants during that time. So, I mean, the, the giants have been around for a long, long time, you know, eight world series championships, 23 pennants, you know, things we've already, we've already talked about, but, um, you know, Great team. Love this team. I I started – so I've always had, like, uh, an American League team and a National League team, and the, the, the Red Sox have been my main team um, for quite some time. But once Barry – because Barry was one of those guys that I grew up with, you know, when he was with Pittsburgh and whatnot. And when Barry went over to San Francisco, I started paying a little bit of attention over there. And, you know – once they started winning championships, that's when I really started paying attention. And like my favorite player, not Barry Bonds, honestly, uh, Brian Wilson. Really, the the closer. Yep, but, uh, the when he the beard. Yep. Yeah. So I remember when it was him, Sergio Romo. So. But uh, Rangers fans uh, can definitely remember him closing it out on him. In the World Series. <laughs> but anyways, uh, with that being said, let's jump to our Player of the Week. Let's do that, bro. I, I am excited for our Player of the Week because it is – I actually had the opportunity to read his book, which was obviously – I mean, it wasn't written by him, but it was written about him. So our Player of the Week is Willie Mays. The actually, oh. our Player of the Week was actually a tie. Oh, that's right. So what ended up happening is we had Barry Bonds and Willie Mays. They were both at 33.7%, I believe it was, right? It was something like that. It was was something like that. 
So they were both at 33.7% of the votes. And Rip and I decided, we talked about it, and we decided that, well, Barry Bonds might be, we're probably going to end up talking about him again because he was on the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to make it so that Willie Mays is the player. Yeah, Willie Mays, it was a decision based upon us. But to go into Willie Mays to say, hey, kid. So if you haven't already, I've got it right here. 24. Life and stories from the Say Hey Kid. And a lot of great information in that book because he is a storyteller. He's got stories that you would never ex- expect a player to talk about as far as the game, the life, what he learned, what he could, he did on and off the field was, was so tremendous. So kind of dive into his stats a little bit. He did play 22 seasons. He did play 21 with the Giants, and then he played two seasons with the Mets. And that was because the Mets owner at the time wanted Willie back in New York. And so she made the attempt, got him. He played for a couple more seasons. But one of the most well-known things about Willie Mays is the fact the catch. You remember the catch, right? That's right. The -the over-the-shoulder catch. That catch was in game one of the 1954 World Series. The game was tied 2-2. And they were playing against the Cleveland Indians, just so you know. Uh, and that game was at the Polo Grounds. And if you aren't familiar with the Polo Grounds, it's a very unique, oddly shaped stadium. Very round in the left and right field corners, but very deep in center. And it ranged around 483 feet is what I believe. So the Polo Ground was the weirdest place I'd ever seen. It's like 200 feet, 242 feet left field, 250 feet right field, like 500 feet center field. It was ridiculous. <clears throat> and so the game is tied 2-2 going into the eighth. And so the Indians batter Vic Wirtz comes up, hits a deep fly to center. Now the, the Indians have runners on base at this time. And this is something that Willie Mays was most known for it, and that's why he's probably the most feared center fielders at that time, is he runs towards the wall, 460 feet, 470 feet, makes the over-the-hand, over-the-shoulder grab, turns around and fires it back to the second base. Now, you would think at 400-some-odd feet, 470 feet, that they would at least score at least one run, one run, right? Right. No. Willie had a cannon that he could literally he could fire the the baseball four hundred and you know eighty feet to home plate or wherever he needed that ball to go because he knew exactly where his his cutoff man was and they couldn't score on him. So that's game, incredible. So the game stayed tied going into extra innings and finally the Giants won five to two game one. They actually went on to win that World Series. Uh, but truly amazing athlete Willie Mays was. He was a guy that you really didn't need your left fielder or your right fielder because he can cover line to line just because of his dynamic speed. Um, guys probably got mad at him for kind of him getting in the way, but they knew Willie, and Willie would go out there and, and, and play. He wanted to play every day. So with that, with his career, he had a three hundred two batting average. Hit 660 home runs, which is sixth all-time. 
had 3,300 or 283 hits. He was voted into the Hall of Fame in 1979. He was a two-time MVP, which was in 1954 and 1965. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year in 1951. Now check this stat. This one's crazy. This is this is why I love doing this on these players as well because he was a twenty four time All Star. That's just crazy, and he played twenty two seasons. So how does that work? Because the math doesn't add up. So what happened was from nineteen fifty nine to nineteen sixty two, there was actually two All Star games played: one in July, one in August. And this was because to help raise money for Major League Baseball players uh, to put into their pension funds. So there were two All-Star games. Willie made both All-Star games. So that's how you get 24-time All-Star. And that was interesting. Uh, See, that's that's actually pretty cool. I was wondering. I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. That's – yeah. Yeah. I had to go back and actually look at that again because I was – and shock is that there was actually two all-star games in a season. And that's the reason why, because they wanted to add, you know, uh, funds to the pension player for the, the pension plans. So it's kind of interesting. You know, that's why I like doing this stuff. He was a two-time all-star MVP in 1963 and 68. Uh, he had 12 gold gloves. Crazy. Now check this out. These were consecutive gold gloves from 1957 to 1968. It's just crazy, dude. He was insane. Like I said, he was the best in that era at center field. Imagine if they had the platinum glove back then. Oh, man. He would rack that up as well. Right. Uh, obviously, he was a World Series champion in 1954. That was with the New York Giants. Uh, did win the batting tower that season as well as also Major League Player of the Year. And one of the best awards, he won the 1971 Roberto Clemente Award. That's just crazy, the stats that he has. But no, uh, like as crazy as his stats were, we were talking earlier today about Bond stats. Gosh, those were insane. Dude, some of them, like, we're not going to end up going over all of them just because of the fact that there's just so many. And <laughs> so, um, how many? He, so, Willie played for 22 seasons. Yes. All right. So, he he didn't really end up playing. When when did he play for the, uh, the Mets? That was from 1966. Let me see. Let me go back up to my notes real quick here. Um, I don't think okay, it so says it, it in here. It was uh, 1971 through 73. There was just two seasons. Okay. So he – and he played 21 with the Giants? Right. 21 with the Giants and then two with the New York Mets. So then he played 23 seasons. According okay. to, to you know, baseball reference here, it was 22. Did he uh, – We'll talk about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> another time. All right. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. The guy was a legend. He's still a legend. He's forever going to be a Hall of Famer, you know. Uh, but uh, this guy, Barry Bonds, might never make the Hall of Fame, which I think is kind of a shame, uh, especially with his uh, with what he did while he was with Pittsburgh. 
So Bonds played 22 seasons uh, between Pittsburgh and San Francisco. His godfather is actually our player of the week, uh, Willie Mays. And I think that Willie actually had a lot to do with him coming to San Francisco. Um, Bonds is the home run king with six, uh, 762. I'm not sure how that's going to happen with the whole Negro League um, being with their whole records and whatnot. Um, now, Bonds had received 14 All-Star selections. He holds the single-season record for homers at 73. Now, this record, this record actually made me laugh. It made me giggle. Uh, he holds the record for bases on balls at 2,558. Now, imagine his his on base percentage. He holds the single season base uh, on base percentage, and I'll talk about that in a minute, which is because of the base on balls. Uh, according to Baseball Reference, holds the record for record um, for he holds the record for intentional base uh, base on balls with 688. 120 of those were in 2004. Wow. He holds the single season record for bases on balls at 232 in 2004. Jeez. <laughs> That's just crazy, man. Right? So... He is the only member of the 500-500 club, a 500 stolen bases, 500 home runs. He is also one of four members in the 40-40 club with Canseco, A-Rod, and Alfonso Soriano. I still can't believe Canseco's in that list. Uh, oh, back really- in his rookie year, bro. I, I know. I, I know we touched on him a couple weeks ago, but I still can't believe he's part of the 40-40 club. All right, I'm, I'm going to go up with with a couple more things right here. Um, consecutive seasons with 30 or more home runs, 13 uh, from 92 to 2004. Slugging percentage in a single season, 863, that's in 2001. Slugging percentage in a World Series, 1.294, that's in 2002. Consecutive seasons with 600 slugging percentage or higher, 8 from 98 to 2005. This is the one I was talking about. On base percentage in a single season, 609 in 2004. Wow. Consecutive games with a walk, 18. Consecutive games with an intentional walk, 6. Um, oldest player, uh, oldest player, age 38, to win the National League batting title, 370 for the first time in 2002. Wow. That's he has crazy. he has a record that he shares uh he has records that he shares consecutive plate appearances with a walk. He had seven plate appearances in a row where he walked. Uh consecutive plate appearances reaching base 15 times in a row. Uh, he is tied with his father, Bobby, for most seasons with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases, five. They're the only father-son members of the 30-30 club. And he held, he shares the record uh, for most home runs in a single postseason with eight. Wow. Those stats are just insane. And it's 
hard to believe that he may not, may not make it into the Hall of Fame. He will. I think he will at some point. So I think he will too. But not to, you know, it's hard to follow up those stats. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll jump into our next player real quick is uh, the man that McCovey Cove is named after, Willie, McCove, Willie McCovey. So he is another Giants player that played 22 seasons. I played 19 with the Giants, three with San Diego, and one with Oakland. Um, he was nicknamed Stretch Mac or Big Mac, so I don't know how that's going to work with Big Mac Mark McGuire. I thought the same thing. Yeah, you know, but uh, but yeah, uh, he had he is a career 270 with uh, 521 home runs. He is actually tied 20th all time with Frank Thomas and Ted Williams. That's some good company. So that is very good company. It's a list uh, that you want to, I mean, just being on that career home run list is, is good. But to be, you know, right there with those guys is pretty phenomenal. Uh, he did enter the, le- the league back in 1959. He was the rookie of the year. And in 1969, he was the Major League Player of the Year and National League MVP. Now, this one was pretty interesting because I hadn't heard this award before. But in 1977, he was the Hutch Award winner. And the Hutch Award is given annually to an active Major League Baseball player who best exemplifies the fighting spirit and competitive desire of Fred Hutchinson. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And he was also a six-time All-Star. Uh, from on 1963, 66, 68, 69, 70, and 71. And he was voted into the Hall of Fame in 1986. So some good company with uh, Willie McCovey. I mean, he played with, with our player the, of the week for a few seasons. So um, those two kind of, you know, kept each other honest and, you know, best definitely pushed each other. And that's in that book as well, 24, that, are, that I showed you a little while ago. But uh, yeah, Willie McCovey, he was uh, he was an icon there in San, in San Francisco as well. Well, it's nice to know exactly how they came up with uh, McCovey Cove. Uh, it's always fun watching the San Francisco Giants and watching those people in their little kayaks trying to get the baseball after you know someone hits a home run or whatnot. So that that's pretty cool. That's fun facts to to learn. Oh, yeah. I don't know what would be more fun, watching a game at Oracle Park or being in McCovey Cove waiting on a baseball. I'm going to go with watching the baseball game. <laughs> you're not you're not guaranteed to get the ball uh, in McCovey Cove, but you're guaranteed to actually be able to watch a game. So um, our last player that we're going to talk about is somebody who just, current, uh, just recently uh, ended up changing teams. Um, but we we made this guy part of it because he was a big part of the World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. Um, Madison Bumgarner, he played 10 seasons with the Giants. Uh, as I said, he ended up winning three World Series with them, 2010, 12, and 14. Uh, he holds a record uh, for a .25 career world series era that's crazy yeah and i believe he holds he holds the records for 52 and two-thirds innings pitched in a single postseason that was the last he he is currently tied with tony cloninger i'm 
I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm really bad at trying to pronounce people's names, oh, but he, he's tied with this guy, Tony Kloninger. And if I'm sp- uh, saying it wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, he has two career grand slams uh, by a pitcher, which that's <laughs> Madison Bumgarner is the reason why they won't end up putting the DH in the national league. So, um, and here's a little fun fact. I, I don't know if you knew this before I ended up telling you, um, but Madison Bumgarner has competed in rodeos as a roper under an alias name as Mason Saunders. <laughs> you know, I heard something a while back as the reason why he chose Arizona as the team to go to. And I always thought it was because he had a ranch there. No, and, but he he's a rodeo. Do, do you is there anything that says what kind of rodeo he performs? Like you know, bull riding or what was it called? Bull I riding? think it's Broncos. Okay, okay. That's so because uh, I've only seen him on horses, so I'm not going to say that that's a hundred percent fact there. But I mean, I didn't really go too far into the whole rodeo thing, but I. When I originally heard about it, I thought he was like one of those clowns, you know, like going. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen that. You, you got to wonder what kind of stipulations are in that contract. <laughs> I think that he kind of has that screw you kind of attitude. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do type deal. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, though. So. But um, so that's pretty much the end of this uh, with Christmas going on next week. I believe uh, when when are we doing our next show? Are we doing it Monday? Are we doing it Tuesday? I think we're going to do a little Christmas episode on Tuesday right before the <laughs> Christmas break. So, OK, so I, I kind of want to make an announcement on that. Um, so. I just purchased a Mint 9 Mike Trout baseball card. Um, it's a 2020 baseball card. And next week, we are going to be talking about, guess what? The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So what we're going to do is, we Rip and I kind of talked about this, is we are going to do a little... I don't know, polling, try to get people to follow us, get you to listen to us or whatever. We're going to give this card away. Uh, So what I want you to do is I'm going to make this until the end of the year type deal. Ooh, okay. So we're going to make a tweet. We want you to follow us. We want you to retweet. You can requote. You can retweet. Do whatever you want. You will be entered in to get this Los Angeles Anaheim or this Angels card of Mike Trout. And all you got to do is just follow and tweet, uh, retweet us. That's it. That's it. You, you have nothing else to do. You don't have to buy anything. Just retweet us. And I'm hoping uh, it's still on its way. Uh, the snow kind of. Uh, delayed it it should have been here today because i would have shown it up on the uh, uh on the good old screen here but 
next uh, next episode, I will put it up here. I will post it up on our Facebook. Let everybody know exactly what we're doing. Definitely go ahead and do that. It's going to be fun. This isn't the fir- this isn't the first time I've done something like this, uh, but it's the first time I've done something like this on this show, and it's not going to be the last, people. Oh no. No, I, I got something in the works as well when we get to another team, and we'll talk about that later on. But so we've we've got stuff brewing, and uh, we just need some people's help here. That's it. We just that's need right. a little bit of help, get some get some followers, and that's all. And oh, because for the people that are on listening to us on Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast, uh, you can find us at rip griffin show on twitter that's right that's all you got to do head on over there give us a follow also give us a review subscribe to the show tell us how we're doing we always value your feedback your comments anything we can do to make this show better for you the listeners we appreciate it very much you can head on over to the rip griffin show.com leave us a voicemail ask us a question we'll get your comments or questions on the air as well so with that, I think it's going to be a, a wrap. What do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about next week. It's going to be awesome. And we can't wait to tell you guys everything else that's been going on. So with that, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of The Rip Griffin Show with Brad Chandler. Remember, you can go and follow us on all the major podcast platforms, even also on Twitter at Rip Griffin Show. That's going to do it for us, guys. We appreciate it. Take care. Much love. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Rip Griffin Show. Make sure to subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms. Follow Rip on Twitter at RipGriffin2.